Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithRoy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithRoy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana. I am your host. And before we get into today's topic, which I'm very excited about, I want to just take a couple of minutes and tell you about a podcast that I'm going to do in a couple of weeks that I want you to watch out for. Okay, I'm going to do an entire podcast devoted to my coach training program. Now, some of you might not know this, but in addition to my work with individuals, helping people attract lasting love, that's my core business as a relationship coach, I also train people to be coaches like me or to work with couples or to be a health and wellness coach or a life coach. So I have a one-year-long coach training program, and in a couple of weeks, I'm going to do an entire podcast talking about that because some of you out there really might want to be a coach full-time or you might love the idea of coaching and simply want to do it like part-time and not quit your day job but be able to make some extra money and make an impact in people's lives and you know make a difference and use some of your gifts in that way. So I want to just give you a heads up that there's a podcast coming on my coach training program, and I hope you give it a listen. Now, I'm going to try to make it as interesting and as informative as possible. So there'll be three parts to that part, that podcast. The first is I'm going to tell you about the nuts and bolts of the program, like what's involved, okay? But then I'm also going to interview two coaches who have gone through the program, and I want to talk with them so that you can hear them talk about why they took the program, what they got out of it, how they're using it now in their lives, and so forth. I thought it really might be interesting for you if you're at all interested in becoming a coach in a full-time or part-time way to hear from some people that that have been through the program and are doing it, okay? So that's the second part, which I'm really excited about. And then I'm going to play an excerpt from one of the group coaching sessions. So just very briefly, the coach training program has got two components, basically. There's the group stuff that we do all together on Zoom, trainings on Zoom over the year. And then there's individual sessions where I work individually with each person in the program. What I'm going to play for you is an excerpt from one of the group coaching programs. So you get a little feel for the training part, for the group dynamic part, and I think it'll be very interesting for you. So just keep an eye out for that one. I think um, it, it, I think it's going to serve you and and help you, you know, get the information you might need, you know, to say, hey, I, I want to learn more, right? I, I'm I'm interested. Okay, because the coach training program starts in either February of March of each year. And so 
I I usually start promoting it and start talking about it, you know, two or three months in advance because it is a year-long commitment and it takes a while for people to get the information they need and to get on board and to get ready for the for the whole thing. So that's coming up in a couple, two, three, four weeks. I'm not sure exactly when, but you know, you'll hear about it when it is, you know, ready to be put out into the world. Now, having said that, today's topic. Really excited about today's topic, which I am titling The Secret to Being a great partner. Okay? Now, the secret to being a great partner is maybe something that you haven't thought of, really. Um, but when I say it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, then that's really probably true. Um, because it, it is something that I don't think I've dealt with in, in a formal way yet on this podcast. So that's a little bit of a kind of a blind spot. I suppose, you know, for me in this podcast that I haven't talked about this, but this, this topic is all about listening, being a conscious listener. So what I'm saying is the secret to being a great partner is being a really good listener. Does that not make sense? You know, we always talk about communication as being such an important part of any relationship, whether you're just meeting someone or whether you're in the middle of, you know, dating or whether your relationship is really advanced, the way you communicate, you know, is everything, right? But sometimes we don't talk about the other side of communication. We normally talk about being candid and being open and transparent and honest and being a revealer and not a concealer. In other words, when we talk about communication, we normally talk about what we are saying to someone else. Are we withholding or are we telling the truth? Are we playing games or are we coming from the heart, right? But there's a whole other side of communication, right? There's somebody saying something, but then there's somebody listening. (laughs) And so this podcast is going to be about the listening side of it. And, you know, you want to connect with someone in a meaningful way, If they feel like you are very present and you're a great listener and, you know, you're really wanting to get them, you're really wanting to to hear what's being said and feel the feelings from which it's being said and, you know, to to connect with them on a deep level in that way, you are going to be a very desirable person to have either as a friend or a confidant or a life partner. So the secret to being a great partner is being a conscious listener, and we're going to talk all about that today, but we're going to do it in a little different way. I am going to play for you a 30-minute audio recording that was made by two of my mentors, Jim Dethmer and Diana Chapman. I want to tell you a little little bit about them and set the stage here for what you're about to hear. Now, I have interviewed Jim Dethmer on this podcast, and you can find our conversation. Um, I think it was, you know, in the early days of the podcast, maybe podcast 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, back there. So I have interviewed him before, and he is a mentor of mine as well as being probably my closest friend, although I don't see him that much. He's 
probably a person in the world that knows me the best. He certainly, if something wonderful happens to me, he's one of the first people I call. If something really difficult or challenging or I'm suffering in some way, he's right there at the top of the list who I call. So he's an incredibly important person to me. I've known him for 30 plus years and we've been through a lot of, a, a lot of stuff together. Um, Diana Chapman is my former coach. She's the person that I went to when my love life was a mess back in 2004, 2005, 2006. Okay? So I she's the person that I worked through my junk with. And then she actually became the person that trained me to be the coach that I am. So she's sort of a mentor for me personally and professionally. Now, these two people have written uh, one of the best business books in the world because they work together. They are a part of what's called the Conscious Leadership Group. And they don't work specifically in relationships like I do. They work in the business setting. They're business coaches, I guess you could say. And they wrote a book called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. Now, if you pay attention to this podcast, you know that I often speak of what I call the dating manifesto, the 10 commitments of conscious dating and relating. And I've done a series of podcasts on those. Well, those 10 commitments are basically adapted from their book where they list 15 commitments. I pared them down because a number of their commitments really uh, apply to the workplace setting more than the intimate relationship setting. So I picked 10 of them and then I just took their commitments and, and worded them a little differently, certainly keeping the essence of what the commitment is, but putting it in a relationship wording rather than a business you know, environment type of language that they use. Okay. So that's a little bit of the context. So this recording you're going to hear is when their book first came out, they did a weekly half an hour live podcast and they covered each one of the 15 commitments. You follow me? And it was live. And so they take questions from the people who were on the call and they recorded the call and I have the recording and the recording I'm going to share for you today is when they talk about commitment number four, which is the fourth commitment in their book. It's also the fourth commitment in the dating manifesto and it's the communication commitment. It's called candor. So they're, they're doing a 30 minute live kind of conference call on the candor commitment. And what's interesting, I don't know whether they planned it or not, but they spend most of the time on the listening part of candor rather than the talking part of candor, you can say. So we're going to be able to listen in to them describing what it means to be a conscious listener. And then there's, I think, three, maybe four people uh, jump on and they ask questions about their lives. And some of the questions are about like someone I think is asking a question about a a person that reports to them 
in a corporate setting. And I don't want you to get derailed by that, thinking, oh, this is about the, the workplace and you know, I don't work in an office or I have a different kind of job and I'm just interested in my love life. Don't get derailed by that because whether or not you are talking to someone that's your boss or a subordinate or someone you're dating or in a relationship with, the principles are the same. So you just might have to change some of the wording and kind of do a little gymnastics in your head, but you're going to find that the basics of what it means to be a great listener is the same, whether you're listening to a potential partner or you're listening to your boss, right? So it really is transferable. Now, another thing I want to let you know of, because they're going to use a couple of phrases that you might have never heard about and you feel like, what does that mean? And you might feel lost. And so they, they make a reference to something called above and below the line. Well, let me describe what that means because it's very simple and it's just an arbitrary phrase that they have come up with to describe two basic states of consciousness that we human beings are in at any one time, right? So just very basically, you can be in a state of consciousness or have an attitude or, or be in a, or have a perspective that we, that, that could be described as you feel open and present and trusting and accepting. You're in a place of ease and flow. You're feeling peaceful. You're feeling calm, right? You're just very present, right? So there are moments when you feel just open and responsive um, and curious and present. And, you know, you, there's no drama. There's no trigger. You're, you just feel at peace and sort of at home and grounded, okay? That's one state of consciousness that you could be in at any, at any time. Well, there's also its opposite, right? We're all familiar with when we are triggered, when we are reactive, when we feel scared or threatened or worried or lonely or... Um, anxious or just upset, you know, that inner turbulence where we're, you're, we're stirred up on the inside where we don't feel grounded, right? We don't feel open. We can be defensive. We can be closed. We can feel like we're being attacked. We can feel, you know, like there's some sense of threat, okay? So those are two basic states of consciousness where you just feel open and present, or you feel kind of triggered and reactive. Now, with both of those states of consciousness, there are varying degrees, right? So when you are in this open, present, trusting, accepting place, you can be so open and so trusting. You're like Jesus or Buddha, okay? I mean, you are in such absolute bliss and absolute peace, and trust, right? But you can also be, you know, not not that open. You you can you can be open and trusting, but more like, you know, on like a human level. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or when you're in that triggered reactive place, you know, when when you when, when you're experiencing some sort of drama, like just drama within yourself or drama with other people in conflict, you know, in in one of the features of 
being in drama is that you feel like you're right and everybody else is wrong. You know, there's that victim villain thing. You know, I'm right, you're wrong. No, 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 I'm right, you're wrong. You know, so when when you're in that state of consciousness, when you're triggered or reactive, there's a kind of a drama going on. And there are degrees of that too, right? You can be a little triggered and kind of miffed and frustrated and annoyed with someone, or you can be a member of ISIS and you can be so triggered and reactive and you feel like you're so right that you're going to chop off people's heads if they don't agree with you and believe like you do. Okay, do you follow me? So we got these, these two basic states of consciousness. One is open and present, relaxed and trusting. The other one is triggered and reactive and defensive. And there are varying degrees in both of those places. Now, when Jim and Diana talk about being above or below the line, that's what they're referring to. They just draw an arbitrary line that divides being open and present and trusting and accepting with being filled with drama and reactivity. And they just say, when you're open and trusting, you know, and feeling ease and flow and peace, they call that being above the line. And when you're in that triggered, reactive place, you know, when you're upset and when you're scared and confused and, you know, and being maybe being defensive or argumentative or, you know, just in some sort of drama, they just call that being below the line. Okay. Now, neither one is right or wrong or good or bad. They're just different states of consciousness. We can go back and forth many times in one day. Okay. So I just want you to know that when they say that phrase above and below the line, that's what they refer to. Okay. Now, with with the, the candor commitment, with the communication commitment, I'm sure you're going to really, you're going to grab onto this right away. When you are above the line, when you are in that open, trusting, accepting thing, you will communicate by revealing and not concealing, right? You, you'll be wanting to tell the truth and be authentic and be open. But when you're below the line is when you might be because you're, you're, you're feeling scared, triggered, reactive, that's when you might withhold, tell half-truths, be manipulative, leave certain things out because you're scared. You're scared that if I was to be really authentic, I might get judged, I might get react, I, I might get um, rejected, I might be misunderstood, okay? So you, there, you, you will communicate based upon your state of consciousness, Right There's above-the-line communication. There's below-the-line communication. So what they're going to be talking about in this little excerpt I'm going to play, it's a 30-minute recording, is they're talking about what it means to be like an above-the-line conscious listener, right? When you're really present with someone. And they'll also talk a little bit about how we listen or... <laughs> how we don't listen, how we try to fix people, how we try to rescue people, hero people, when we're not really consciously listening, but we're sort of below the line and listening to fix someone or listening to explain something away and so forth. So I don't want to get too much into the weeds. I just wanted to kind of give you um, a little bit of that background so that 
when they say these words, you won't be lost. All right. I think, because I'm, I'm checking a piece of paper here, I want to make sure I keep you up to date on everything so you're not lost with what's going to come forth here. Um, no, I think that's it. I think you have a good idea about who these people are, how special they are to me. Um, and they're going to be talking about conscious listening. And so I bring them to you now. And after they're done, I'll come back for some closing comments. But for now, here is Jim Dethmer and Diana Chapman. Enjoy. Hello, all. We're so happy to have you on the call with us today to explore um, commitment number four on candor. Jim, let's read the above and below the line versions here. Okay, great. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll take the above. I commit Great. to say what is true for me. I commit to be a person to whom others can express themselves with candor. Versus, below the line, I commit to withholding my truth, facts, feelings, things I imagine, and speaking in a way that allows me to try to manipulate an outcome. I commit to listening. I commit to not listening to the other person. <laughs> Mm, yeah, so, so what, again, folks, what we want to do here is kind of like we've done in the past. We really want to open the space for questions. So as soon as you have a question, just hit one on your keypad, and Courtney, our tremendous operations person, will get you linked in. So as soon as questions kick in, we'll start into a dialogue. Yeah, we were just talking about um, one of the key issues that uh, – Gallup has been pointing out is that we have 70% of our nation's employees are disengaged, which is quite significant. And one of the things that I see can really help shift engagement is conscious listening. So I, um, I thought maybe, Jim, we could talk a little bit more about that because we didn't cover that very much in our newsletter. Oh, great. Yeah, so when I think about uh, conscious listening, here are a couple thoughts that I'd toss out, Diane, and you can riff off that a little bit. Um, one, conscious listening really does begin with a commitment to listen. It's an intentional choice to uh, be with another person from a place of deep listening, really wanting to get them. It's, you know, there's technique and skill involved, but absent the commitment, the technique and the skill will appear ingenuine and phony. So when you're thinking about this, check first and see, am I really fully willing to listen deeply to this person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, do I really want to know them, know their experience, and do I want to support helping them get their needs met? all part of the mindset that I know I'm holding when I'm consciously listening. And then conscious listening is at least these three things. It's learning to listen from the head to the content of the other. And that's no small thing to really, really get their content. And then it's listening from the heart for the feeling tone that the other person has or the affect and really tuning in to that entire uh, 
channel that's bringing so much information forward for the person. And then it's listening from the gut or from the body or from the instinctual center. And there's a lot that's going on here. But one of the things is really listening for what it is that the most, the person most deeply wants. So a lot of times when people are expressing themselves, they're not always even aware of what it is that they most deeply want. So as a listener, we want to tune in to what's here. What is it that the person is asking for? And so when, when I commit to listen, when I want to be for the other person, when I want to you know, create a relationship of engagement, then I really do create space, listen from my head for content, heart for feeling or affect, and then from the gut for what is it there, what is it they most want, what is their deepest intention. One of the things that I see happens in um, organizations and teams is that there's these conversations that repeat over and over again. The topic keeps coming back up and people wonder, why do we have to explore this again? And it's been my experience that a lot of times the reason why these conversations repeat is because that core want or those core emotions are not being presenced and expressed and acknowledged. And so there's this sense of, I don't feel complete, so I have to keep bringing the topic up over and over again. So sometimes people think conscious listening slows us down, but it's my experience that we actually, in the long run, create a lot more in less time because we aren't repeating these conversations. I want to know if anybody out there has a question either about conscious listening or about, you know, how do you reveal authentically to another person uh, when you do have things that you're withholding? Uh, how do you even do, do a, have, a... Go ahead, Courtney. We do have one question. Mark S., please feel free to speak up. Hi, guys. How are you? Well, thank Hi, you. Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi, <laughs> Mark. Um, so how do you handle or get into a dialogue with somebody who's clearly not committing to candor? Mm. In other words, if you're speaking with candor, you're committed to that. How, if you're aware of somebody else, how do you, how do you get into a dialogue with somebody who's clearly their defensive structure or lack of awareness of their unconscious or conscious is unable to speak in that way. How do you navigate a conversation with somebody like that? Well, first of all, you might want to share with them even more authentically what's going on over here, and you can do that by making sure you separate fact from story. So you might say, I hear you talking, and what I, what I imagine is, you're defending, or so you would point out what it is you are interpreting over there, so that uh, and ask them if they're noticing that too, mm-hmm. so that you get more revealed. And also saying, I, you know, you might say something like, "I feel sad." I imagine you're defending rather than really listening to me right now, so that you're just naming what you imagine is occurring in the moment, and then to say, "Here's what I really want. What I'd really like is." for you to take some more time really listening here rather than defending or uh, what I'd really like is to hear uh, more about your feelings that you're having about this issue so that you take responsibility for calling forward what you really want to hear from them. Yeah. I mean, the one one thought I just had is, is that 
some people are just not aware and very frightened about candor. So I'm thinking that maybe if you sit in that position and be more and more revealing and can and be candid, and hopefully that will grease the skids and then there'll be a subsequent encounter that will allow that person to have a little more um, openness probably in engaging you in that conversation. Yes. My experience is the more vulnerable I'm willing to be, the more likely I'm going to uh, invite vulnerability over there. You know, Mark, the other thing I'd add to this conversation is, especially if this is a person that we're talking about here that you're in relationship with, you know, a professional relationship that you're working with them, they're on your team or a regular client or in your personal life, somebody that you're in a consistent relationship with. At that point, it's great to come back and have a pre-conversation with them about getting your commitment aligned. You know, we say that most drama in life comes from unaligned commitments and unkept and unclear agreements. And you could just back up a step before talking about the issue you want to talk about from a place of candor. You could have a conversation that goes like this. Like if it were, were you and me, Mark, I might say, hey, Mark, I'd love to have a conversation with you about how we're relating to each other. And I really value our relationship. I want our relationship to continue to thrive and uh, be all that uh, it can possibly be. And one of the things that I'm interested in is growing more and more in candor and having a commitment in my own life to really reveal authentically with people who I'm in relationship with, people like you. And I wonder if we could have a conversation together about kind of what level of candor we'd like to have in the relationship and then mm-hmm. tee up that conversation so that commitment and co-commitment precedes giving it a whirl. Now, in some cases, the relationship just doesn't warrant that kind of a conversation. But wherever it does, I strongly suggest having the commitment conversation first. And then once we get co-committed, then we're both going to toddle at it. You know, we're going to drift and shift and recommit. But at least we're operating from the same commitment. If you, I happen to know you, I know that you're really growing in your commitment to candor. And if the other person isn't, if quite frankly they're committed to the below the line commitment to withholding or, you know, manipulating outcomes, manipulating you, circumstances and situations, there's always going to be a jangle because you're not aligned at the deepest level of commitment, and that has to be addressed a different way. Does that make sense? 100%. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Love the questions. Anybody else out there have a question? We'd love to hear from you. So, Diana, there, I, Courtney says nobody's asking a question right now. Why don't uh, – let's model uh, conscious listening a little bit. I, I actually would love it if you would listen to me. <laughs> would you be yeah, willing to just let me blurt for a little bit and you step into yeah. a place of listening? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this is real time, folks. This isn't made up. This is what's really going on. So, um, as Diana knows, I'm sitting here uh, in Southern California in about an hour, so I'm going to go speak to a large group of investment bankers. And Diana, what's going on for me is I notice a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. Um, and I notice the thought in my head that um, 
they're not really interested in what I have to talk about conscious leadership. And, and I'm going to have to work really, really hard to be relevant and to engage them. And um, I notice a part of me that just wants to say, oh, fuck it. I really don't want to do this. Um, I'm tired of evangelizing the world. So I can feel myself sad, too, and a little bit exhausted as I sit here and think about what I'm teeing up for myself today. Mm. So first I'm going to give a couple of examples of um, not conscious listening. (laughs) Good. Uh, yeah, Jim, I, I hear you're feeling scared and I just want to tell you, I, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled about this work that you're doing and you're going to be great. And, uh, if you could just, uh, remember how, how valuable what you are standing for is, I think you'll be fine. (laughs) So (laughs) there's a great example of poor listening, giving somebody the idea that you have something to fix, offer to fix them. Here's another example is, um, yeah, poor example. Uh, Jim, I, um, I really hear that uh, you've gotten all these feelings going on here, and I just, they're not warranted. I, I really think that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even get why you're worried. And uh, <laughs> there's something else, you know, something else going on, and I really want to listen. <laughs> So if I consciously well, listen, what's going on over there the great, for you? Uh, great, it's having the great effect of shifting me. <laughs> I'm laughing, and I'm no longer feeling sad and scared. Now I'm feeling pissed at you. <laughs> so if I consciously listen, I'm going to first listen to Jim and his content. So, Jim, what I heard you say is you're there getting ready for a speech uh, that you're going to give to a bunch of investment bankers and uh, that you're feeling some sadness uh, and some fear. And um, you're also um, a little frustrated, I heard you say, and that the thought you're having is that this is just this, the next thing you're doing to evangelize this work and that they may not really be very interested and that you're wondering why, why am I even here doing this? Hmm. Hmm. That's what I heard is the content. And um, underneath, you mentioned lots of emotions, but the one I'm most hearing is sad. Mm -hmm. And And what I imagine you really want is you really want to give your gifts to those who fully want to receive them. Mm-hmm. And that you're yeah. you're not sure that this group is really here to receive, and so there's a, a loss of not getting, uh, not having the experience of fully giving yourself and being received. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really it, Diana. And just when I hear you reflect back to me, what you're getting as you tune into me. Um, the next wave that comes up is, I think the sadness is connected to feeling lonely. There's a way in which I can create myself lonely or separate, and mm-hmm. I can view them as other. And, um, you know, then I, I go kind of into an old pattern of separating myself and feeling lonely. And I think that's what the sadness is tied to. 
Mm. So there's this thought you have of I'm separate from them. We're not the same. And so there's this this uh, away from alone experience that you start to have. And then that really triggers this experience of sadness because I, what I imagine is what you most want is you most want to connect. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, you know, staying in real time, I mean, you know, folks, Diane and I work with a thing called the Enneagram and I'm a type two and one of the things type twos are up to is kind of a funky way to be prideful and stay separate. And I can really feel my pride going on here. And just as you reflect back, I'm thinking one shift I want to do is when I start to talk, I want to tell people what I just told you. I want to reveal <laughs> that I'm having this internal dialogue and uh, feeling some sadness and some scare. It's kind of what mm-hmm. I do and show up kind of like you were telling Mark. <laughs> yeah. Show up and re- reveal authentically at the start. And it's real easy for me to not do that. I know how to get into a speaker persona and, you know, move from that place. But just, I think the invitation here in the conversation is to deal with my loneliness by revealing my vulnerability and come into connection, create at least the possibility of connection. Mm. Yeah, and what I hear is a new commitment perhaps on your part to connect more through heart than through your intellectual wisdom. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's good. (laughs) And I can feel scare coming up. My heart's beating. I love my intellectual wisdom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so damn reliable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this feels sounds like a new a new level of uh, vulnerability you're willing to step into. Mm-hmm. So, the conscious listening is really about get, presencing someone so that they can source what's needing to be felt, and then also they get to source the next action step they want to take. And that's what I one of my favorite things about conscious listening is is that I don't actually have to do, I don't have to give any advice. I'm just, I'm just being a reflection so that they can know themselves more through my listening and make clearer choices. Hmm. Yeah, so this is a big thing for all of us to play with is what is our commitment to being a person to whom others reveal themselves. And you'll know, you know, we always say that you can tell what your actual commitment is by the results. So, you know, if you look out at your world and you go, God, you know, my 16-year-old kid doesn't really talk to me. They don't reveal to me. They're not authentic. Or, you know, my significant other doesn't really tell me their deepest stuff. Or, Uh, You know, my clients don't tend to tell me what they're really thinking or wanting. If if you look out at the world and your judgment is that some people out in the world aren't revealing themselves back to you, aren't practicing candor with you, then the move is to step into creator yourself and take responsibility for how you're being such that people are not revealing themselves to you. Mm-hmm. And that is a massive dose of self-awareness and 100% responsibility. And then get really curious about that. What are you afraid of? What would you be afraid of if you really showed up so that people in your life revealed themselves to you? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, you and I both have this experience often where we're traveling around on planes or things like that and people sitting next to us and say, I don't know what it is, but I just am telling you everything. I, I'm revealing more than I usually do to anybody. And uh, I think that's reflective of our commitment to uh, be a space for people to reveal themselves fully, and so they do. <laughs> I'm giggling because I appreciate you including me in that experience, but the truth about me is I never, ever talk to anybody on airplanes. (laughs) (laughs) It's another way that I want to stay separate. (laughs) But when I do choose to talk to people, they reflect that fact to me. It's just not on airplanes. (laughs) Got it. You, on the other hand, by the time you're halfway across the country, you've engaged your entire section in relationship. Uh, so, <laughs> yep, that's me. <laughs> so, anybody else have a question or a comment? The other thing that's an interesting conversation is, um, you know, who are you withholding from? Um, who out there in your world are you not fully revealing yourself to? And what stories do you make up about why you can't? Uh, we see how many people like to be right about that. So let's see if there's any um, questions. Please press 1 on your keypad, and that will indicate you have a question or a comment you want to add. Great catch there, Courtney. Courtney just reminded us on the screen that we're looking at to remind you to press 1. That's good because we said that at the beginning, and then we got all lost in our own experience. So press 1 and ask a question or make a comment. We do have one question, uh, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, but Palika, please feel free to speak up. Okay. Hi, Diana. Hi, Jim. I just wanted to say hello and thank you, and um, I'm joining the call, Diana, because I miss you. I haven't seen you in a long time, and I want to participate in all this excitement that you're doing, Um, and I do have a question. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Wonderful to hear your voice. What is your question? Well, it's, it's more along the first thing you were talking about, so if you want to pick up somebody else's question who has a thing about the withhold, um, that's cool. But um, I was thinking about as I was listening to you all talking about um, the commitments to others revealing themselves and being your creator, and I realized um, that for my own self and the work I do, sometimes what comes up is the difference between being attached to my fixing or my giving an insight to someone mm-hmm. that I'm working with. And, like, I was wondering if maybe you could talk a little bit about that because... Um, there's a difference, I think, in, um, you know, what the process that you just did with Jim is more about deepening him into his experience and, and helping him understand, like you said, himself better versus you have a brilliant insight that you just know if he got your insight, then his world would rock. You know, right. so that the difference about the person being revelatory with us has more to do with us being committed to um, deepening them into their experience and how, what's the difference between, you know, deepening them versus, you know, helping them see my brilliant insight about what they need to know so they can move forward or something. Right. So That's fixing, a great... yeah, like yeah. fixing versus listening. Yes. Well, if anybody knows me, they'll know that I used to be a full-on hero living in the drama triangle listening to people. 
spend a lot of time on the phone having people call me and then I would give them their, my great wisdom and insights to share and that would work temporarily and they'd go do that and then they'd call back a while later because it only works temporarily and they'd call again. And it was all very much in devotion to my identity getting fed so that I could find be valued by my community around me. And so it's a more vulnerable place to listen and reflect back authentically, knowing that my role is not here to hero you. You're not some um, victim that needs me. So conscious listening is less about me and more about you. Right. And that's the big shift move. Right. Yeah, thanks for the question. You're welcome. Thank you. Any, any other comments you have about that, Jim? Sure. Uh, in the chapter on uh, candor, we identified listening filters, and that's what we're bringing up here. And one listening filter, and a filter is just instead of hearing the person, you're really listening to them through a filter or a lens. And one listening filter is listening to help or listening to fix or listening to instruct. Other listening filters include listening to prove you're right listening to uh, determine whether the person likes or loves you. Uh, there's a whole set of listening filters, and if we want to become a master listener, we're going to want to identify our filters and just be aware of them so that they can relax a little bit and we can let the filter go away, all of which is always going to be tied, like Diana said, to it's about us. Let the filters relax a little bit so that we can actually be fully present to the other. So go back in the chapter if you haven't, gang, and identify your listening filters. That's a great exercise. Yeah, it's a good one. Courtney, we have another question. That we do. Um, let me scroll up here. Mm-hmm. Rose, please feel free to speak up and ask your question. Hi. Uh, good morning. Um, thank you so much for particularly for having the courage to just model that experiences conscious listening. Um, honestly, it's really touching. It kind of like makes me feel a little choked up because um, there is so much vulnerability in sharing what's really going on and to do that for, you know, our sake of really getting to, to see that alive. I really appreciate that. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, Really, my question is maybe more a comment, but a little open-ended. Um, I'm a I'm a first-time manager at a company, and I notice some resistance to really knowing and serving this younger, um, or actually not younger, more junior. She's a little older than I am, um, colleague, and you know I'm asking myself what's going on there. Um, but really, what what you guys just mentioned about the filters in a way, may have answered my question, but I'm wondering if you have any other thoughts about um, being able to get out of the way, particularly with someone who maybe has a different style than you. I know we have a lot of uh, things in common of wanting to do good work together, but maybe when you get the sense that it, how do you deal with feeling like revealing a truth might actually threaten you professionally? That, does that make any sense? I'm, I'm, that was a lot of yeah. words. Uh, well, I'll speak up. Yes, it makes perfect sense <laughs> to me. Um, and 
I think it's a really common experience. So thanks for bringing it forward. You know, one of the first things I'd suggest, you know, when you say you feel resistance to, you know, really engaging this person who might be chronologically older, but junior to you, before even you think about being candid with them, I would welcome your resistance. And if you've hung around Diane and me very long, what you discover, we'd ask you to actually get unenlightened first, take two minutes and bitch, moan, and complain. <laughs> you could do this in the form of a journal. You could stand up and stop your feet. So before you try to override your resistance, go further into it. So get unenlightened. Our call's coming to an end. Otherwise, I'd say do it right here on the call. It'd be really fun. <laughs> and just have you get unenlightened, bitch, moan, and complain. And then a whole lot of cool stuff is going to come forward for your own learning. And then the next move off of that, after you accept yourself for that, is um, are you, you know, are you willing to shift how you're being with this whole situation? Because candor then becomes a shift move. But first you want to really let yourself resist. And then you want to welcome your resistance. And then you want to ask yourself, are you really willing to shift this dynamic with this person. And in our experience, about 80% of the time, we're unwilling to shift the dynamic. I say all that because if you go try to be candid before you've dealt with this stuff, it could backfire on you and create kind of a, a wobble in your, in your relationship. So I'd say that mm -hmm. as a precursor. Then, Diana, you might have some thoughts for her about how to actually practice candor in the situation. And I think I think that feedback you gave, Jim, is fantastic. And, you know, our minds love to be right about why we can't have it a certain way. So I'd go more into the righteousness, maybe, you know, exaggerate so it gets a little funny. And then, <laughs> and then see if you're willing to shift. Mm. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, well, we're coming to the close. Uh, I know we didn't get to everybody's questions. We welcome a conversation on our Facebook page. The Conscious Leadership Group has our own page. You're welcome to post things there, and Jim and I can respond to you, So, and maybe others as well who would like to participate in the conversation. So thank you all so much for joining us. Very mm -hmm. fun to connect with you, Jim, and I uh, really enjoyed deeply listening to you, feel myself feeling closer just with conscious listening. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite <laughs> payoffs to listening consciously is a sense of closeness. Yeah, thank you, Diana. I actually feel very different just in my whole body and spirit as I get ready to go be with these people. So I got what I wanted out of the call. If it was good for others, then great too. <laughs> <laughs> See you all next month. For those of you who want to join us on the juicy topic of gossip. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, all. Well, how was that? Those two are not only incredibly smart and articulate, but they practice what they preach. And you heard it in the recording. They communicate that way with each other. They communicate that way with me. They communicate that way with their spouses. And as a result, those two people have a sphere of relationships that I would put up against anyone in the world. They have great marriages. They have deep friendships. And they run a company together 
and with each other that does not experience drama, right? So those are two people that that if they ever get in drama, they can quickly shift out of it and create harmony and peace. And so I'm excited to have brought them to you. Now, you may have some questions after hearing that, or you may want to you may want to work with me as a coach to help you grow in being a listener because maybe you find that you're better at talking than listening, which I think is generally true about me. You know, um, I, I think a lot of people around me would say I'm probably better at talking than listening. <laughs> so um, I'm continually working on that dimension Um of myself and how I show up with people. And maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you need to, to grow, uh, in that, in those areas, or you just have questions about how to apply this. So I'm here for that. That's, that's what I'm here for. You can either send me an email. If you have a quick question that I can answer as best I can. If you want to discuss the possibility of working with me so that you can be a great partner because you're going to be a great listener, which I think would be an incredible investment in yourself, then you can reach out. And as always, you can find me at Roy at coachingwithroy.com or 407-687-3387. Okay. Until next week, I hope you have a great one. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.